On this day in 1983, U2 released their third studio album, War. It's come to be regarded as U2's first overtly political album, in part because of the songs like this one here, Sunday, Bloody Sunday and New Year's Day. It was a commercial success for the band. In fact, it knocked Michael Jackson's Thriller from the top of the UK charts to become the band's first number one album. Generally received generally favourable reviews, uh, though poorly received by some British critics. Uh, But on a side note, three of the tracks on War featured backing vocals by Kid Creole and the Coconuts. In the words of producer Steve Lillywhite, they just happened to be in Dublin on a tour, so we hung out with them and they came in and sang on Surrender. So it was sort of random, this serious Irish rock band having the coconuts on their album. Uh, so that's you um, 2 That is Sunday Bloody Sunday on this day in 1983. It goes to the top of the charts. I'm not a big fan of you 2 myself, Chris. In fact, I don't like them. Uh, you, you'd be a big fan, though, wouldn't you? Oh, they're bringing uh, it back just for me. I am. In fact, I went back to 1983 as I was playing. I was remembering in a student flat, and that was when people would buy albums and they'd yeah. bring it home and you have an album party. And I heard this in this very grungy student flat. I heard that very song for the first time, and that was a great day, actually. Why was it a great day? Wonderful music. And I think, actually, there was also a girl across the room that I was quite taken by. So she seemed to be taken oh. by the music. So thus, so was I. Fair enough. What fair it was enough. to be a student in Canterbury in 1983. Yeah, and it was big in the student sphere, eh? It's just... I. I what am I missing with you two? Enlighten me, Jenny, or someone. What am I missing? Oh my God, I what, loved what I, you two. So what am I not hearing? Me, it takes me back to my last couple of years at high school. So I was in the sixth form, as we called it, in 1983. And I just loved you two. I don't know, because they had a political message, but the music was accessible and you could dance to it and yell the lyrics and oh, I don't know. Dance it's just to great. it. You can't dance to that. Yes, you can. You can too. Honestly. And I remember they came to New what Zealand. What sort of dance do you I do? Think, what sort of dancing do you do? You can't oh, you dance to that. you bounce up and down to you too. You just jump up and down on the spot, don't you? Like we all did in the 80s. But they I'm came to you, New Zealand. They came to, they came to Christchurch in 1984 and played at the town hall. And unfortunately, even though I skived off school to try and get tickets, wow. Couldn't get tickets because the town hall only held right. like two thousand people. Well, just 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 for my mind, bouncing up and down is not dancing. Anyway, um, <laughs> my my thoughts on on that and you two, uh, everyone to their own. But anyway, there you go. Big day for both of you. Uh, the Prime Minister, by the way, just recapping, the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has announced that from this Wednesday, those arriving from, from Australia will no longer have to isolate for seven days and also announcing that New Zealanders from anywhere in the world will be able to arrive on Friday, just over a week earlier than planned. They'll also be able to forego seven days of self-isolation. Uh, you'll hear more about that on Checkpoint with Lisa Owen. Uh, just another one here. Kiara Wallace, your guest is, Ron. New Zealand has had a pandemic plan for years, and although it assumed it would be for another influenza pandemic, the basic response plan was in place. The real issue was that both government agencies and businesses didn't pay much attention to it, and that is primarily uh, a political failing, says Michael. And I think that's correct because I can recall doing a topic on exactly that years ago on Sunday morning uh, when I was doing that Sunday morning show. 25 to 5, the panel, uh, NZ National. Completely different topic. Is it time to change the way we treat dogs on death row? We have spoken about this issue before quite a lot on the show and yet another case has been making headlines. Tauranga Chopper, 
So Tauranga dog Chopper, two years old, is on doggy death row after biting the vet during a visit to get de-sexed. His family have launched a give a little campaign to fight for Chopper's freedom. We had the owner of uh, a four-year-old husky, Aspen, on the show a few weeks ago, who is also on death row because Aspen killed a chicken and a rabbit, I think. What wasn't sorry, guinea pig. Thank you, Amelia. Guinea pig and a chicken. Anyway, with us is Tauranga lawyer Bev Edwards, who's representing Chopper and his family. Bev, kia ora. Kia ora. Um, how are you all doing? We are well. Tell us about Chopper's situation. Well, Chopper's situation is not atypical of a lot of dogs that are um, what I call long-term custodial uh, clients of a pound. So they're not there for two days or two weeks or it starts stretching into months. And because they are deemed dangerous or vicious or because they've attacked either a person or another animal, um, they are confined in what I call a lockup area. And it is exactly as Helen describes it in her article. Um, you go through this gate, through another gate, through another gate, and Chopper is in what I call death row in uh, the Taronga Pound. There are four uh, cells there. They've got no natural lighting. The dogs can see each other. So two and two, they can see each other. So they bark off each other. Um, there is nothing there for them. Um, there is, it's concrete. It's a concrete cell. Um, they dispute not- it. Tauranga City Council denies their conditions of the pound are cruel, but they do say they're always looking for ways to improve, Bev. Well, they can say that it's not cruel, but I, I beg to differ because it's not just the Dog Control Act, but the Tauranga City Council is also bound by the Animal Welfare Act. And in terms of the Animal Welfare Act, dogs have been declared sentient beings. That means they like you and me. They can feel uh, pain, um, loss, uh, loneliness. And um, I, I don't know if, how many of you have got animals, or pets, dogs in particular. So there's more than 500,000 dog owners in New Zealand. One in three New Zealanders either has had or has currently or may have a dog. So we are uh, a big dog nation. No, I understand what you're saying, Bev, and uh, you don't need to explain to me because I'm a proud owner of a little, a little doggy, yeah. a little banjo, and uh, it causes me pain in my heart to think that um, uh, animals, any animal is mistreated. It's actually, you know, you can't even think about it. Uh, but look, here is a dog uh, who bit the vet. You know, let's get real here. All right, but vets, that, that's one of their occupational hazards, isn't it? Um, I don't is know it? I don't know. Is it? I, I think it is. Um, it's 101, uh, the very first year in Massey. Vets are taught, uh, vet students are taught how to approach animals so that they are not injured. Because it doesn't have to be a big rottweiler. It can be a tiny little chihuahua. It can be a cat. It can be a kitten. It can be a pukeko. Uh, people, have, vets have, have access to all sorts of animals. And one of the first things they taught is how to be careful for themselves and how to be careful for their patients. Because that's what, that's what the Veterinary Council says, is a vet is there to protect the owners and the public and look after the animal welfare. So it's 101, how to approach an animal. Okay. All right. Uh, let's bring in the panellists. They might have views on this. Ginny Morton, what's your take on this or questions? Well, 
Well, I now have the lovely little Coco sitting on my knee <laughs> as I'm talking oh, about this. Hello, Coco. Coco the Cavoodle. And oh. look, I, I couldn't finish reading the article. It just it broke my heart. And I know these dogs are deemed dangerous, but no no dog deserves to be shut up in a in a concrete cell for months on end, not to get a walk, not to get you know, they're intelligent animals. They need mm-hmm. to be stimulated. They need to be entertained. And, you know, the pit that really just offended me was that they are not, there's there's no provision for them to go to the toilet. So the cells are just hosed out with the dogs still in there. And it's just, it's inhumane. And, you know, I know people will argue that saying this, this dog bit the vet and really the owners could choose not to fight the um, the euthanasia order and could have the dog put down and that is one argument but if they're going to hold the dogs while they go through these allowed appeal processes then they have to find a better way to look after them than the way they're being looked after currently because it's just cruel and I can't see how anyone could argue otherwise uh, my producer says hello Coco by the way we're all, saying, <laughs> we're all saying hello Coco we can all see you we can all see little Coco on on your lap Jenny does Coco say anything no, well, she barks when someone pulls up in the driveway and okay. gives me the fright of my life. But apart from that, no, she doesn't say much. Chris? <laughs> well, we're all dog owners. We used to be very proud owners of Skoda and Mercedes, who are a couple of uh, Springer Spaniels <laughs> who are sadly no longer with us. They sort of they expired a couple of years ago. I've been reflecting on this all day. Can I put a slightly contrary view? And I'm not sure, entirely get sure in, I agree with this. Get all, into but it. I, I think... I think I'm I think I'm on the side of the pound. And the reason I am is that I get the huge emotions that are involved here. You've got the dog owner, you've got the victim, the vet who was bitten, and then you've got society itself, which has the right, I think, to expect that you can walk the streets without being attacked by Fido. So you've got to balance these three competing objectives, and it will be a balancing act. I guess what I, I reflect on is that there are some safeguards in the process. The fact that it's gone to court suggests there's a legal process. There's a regulatory environment in terms of what pounds need to have and what they don't need to have. And we've got exactly what Bev is doing on behalf of her client, which is public protest and bringing this to the attention of the public. It seems to me that there's actually the safeguards to ensure that, by and large, most times we'll get the decision about rights. Now, Chopper might be greatly misunderstood, but um, I, I still tend to err on the side of caution. And I think what we've got here is a system which does mostly balance correctly those competing interests. What so do that's you think? My, uh, yeah, no, what do you think, Bev? This is a, this no, is a balance. There is an alter- no, there's an alternative. It is not the only option to keep Chopper locked up in the cell. So there was a previous dog who unfortunately got put down in February. His name is Ride in the same article. So Ride um, was also in the pound for a, a month, a very uh, vocal owner. And the Taronga City Council did a very unusual um, process whereby they took their provision of, of pounds, so they have to provide a pound facility, and they said, the owner said, well, how about if I take my dog to um, a, it's called Freedom and Harmony. Um, so they actually train police dogs. So they know how to deal with dogs that are, shall we call, very bouncy. And We'll pay for them. We'll pay for rides to be kept there. They know how to deal with him. He gets to run on the grass. He gets to, to see other dogs. He gets to socialize and live an, live an ordinary doggy life. In the long run, that cost that particular owner $11,000, but she was willing to pay it for the prime four months that it took for her dog from first being seized to unfortunately being put down. 
the dog may not have been put down. In this instance, unfortunately, because of the case law at the moment, the dog was put down. But I don't know about you. If I had a dog, I would rather my dog's last four months was spent in a boarding kennel. Okay. All right. Now, Bev, we'll come back to this. We'll try and get uh, Chopper's owner on uh, in the week because there's quite a bit of interest in this. But for now, Bev, kia ora, And I appreciate your sentiments. Kia ora, there. Thank you. Yeah, that is Tauranga lawyer Bev Edwards uh, representing Chopper and his family. Bit of response. Glenn says, I 100% agree. Anyone that works with animals understands there's risk from injury. I volunteer at the SPCA and we are aware of the risks. If a vet gets bitten, it's the same as a paper cut if you work in an office. Interesting comparison there. Um, regarding Chopper, I manage a vet clinic. Animal bites, yes, they're an occupational hazard. But if the vet who Chopper bit laid a complaint, to me it indicates they were worried about Chopper's behaviour more so than the usual understandable stress that animals are under at the vet. So mm, quite a range of responses. Kia ora to you all for the feedback. And I've been inundated with um, uh, feed, you two feedback. And you all agree <laughs> with me. You all hate them. So thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. I can't believe I actually agree with Wallace Chapman. What's wrong about that? What's so wrong? <laughs> Weird. Anyway, you two are annoying rubbish. Russell says, agreed, Wallace. You are so right. You two are absolute... So far up themselves, you can't see them. My Irish cousins love them. There you go. Uh, Wallace, you're a fool. You've never heard of the Violent Femmes, so your opinion on what you two is worthless. You talk rubbish. True. I, I do no True. longer it listen. Was me who, it was me who brought up the Violent <laughs> Femmes as well, Wallace, and you said you didn't know who they were. The thing is, well, they've done pretty, pretty, well, pretty well for a band who, um, you know, People say are rubbish, haven't they? There's a certain degree of popularity I, out there in the world. <laughs> well, I, I think, Wallace, you need to put on your tin hat and put on a bit yeah. of Barry Manilow. That, you that, will, that will feel pretty good. Yeah. Or, or, or where do I start? If I want to buy a YouTube album, where would I start? 2101. Text us. I want to get to this. This is interesting. How much do you love? Do you, sorry, how much do you hate junk mail? Do you have a no junk mail sign? Maybe you love it, but why not Auckland resident? Not happy about the amount of junk mail she gets. Rachel Owens has been for years combating the torrents of real estate agent junk mail that lands in her letterbox despite several addressed mail-only signs. And Rachel says there are real environmental issues as well to address regarding the volumes of junk mail we receive. And Rachel Owens is with us. Good afternoon. Welcome to the panel. Good afternoon, Wallace. Hi, panellists. Lovely to have you Hi, on, Rachel. Rachel. Let me get this straight. This has been a four-year battle for you. It has been an intense four-year battle. And I'm surprised that, you know, in these times, the depth of um, feeling there is for real estate flyers. Are you finding that estate agents are just ignoring the sign on your letterbox? What's the nub of the issue here? Um, yeah, I mean, I think they willfully ignore the sign on the the box, and I think it's just because I think it's because there's a certain type of person that is drawn into the profession who also <laughs> decides to ignore the sign on your letterbox. Um, I what, don't do you mean, what do you what, mean? What do you mean? <laughs> I'm trying to be diplomatic. Don't be. <laughs> okay, I think there is. Like, there are plenty of lovely real estate agents, but I also think there is a level of 
narcissism in the industry, um, as evidenced by the billboards you go past these days, and um, possibly a sort of antisocial kind of thread there as well. And I'm not talking about all of them, but there is a subset who are like that. And I've heard this anecdotally from people I know of roots in the industry as well. Well, I'd like to hear from real estate agents (laughs) listening to this. Are you all narcissists because Rachel thinks you are? Jenny. I don't. Not all real estate agents. Not all real estate agents. Okay, let's bring Jenny Morton. (laughs) Jenny's uh, in Otatahi Christchurch. A four-year battle against these little leaflets. Jenny, your take. Um, Well, I don't like junk mail. I think it's a waste of space. Um, And I agree that we do... I don't actually seem to get that many, but we do get a few real estate ones through the letterbox. The one that drives me crazy, and I have tried to stop it, is the local community newspaper, The Star. I don't want to get it. If I wanted to get it, I'd, I'd... I don't know, but I don't Love want to get it. Love the it's local not, community newspaper. That's no, the best paper there is. Don't, don't want it. And well, have I have it and read several it. Times, see, rung them several times. And the last time they said to me, oh, well, if you don't want to read it, just throw it in the bin. And I'm like, well, that's great. That's a good sustainable attitude in this world. But, yeah, <laughs> no, I don't like junk mail. Personally, got nothing against real estate agents. I know some very nice ones, so I <laughs> wouldn't say that at all. <laughs> Chris, your take. I think anyone who can fight a campaign for four years uh, deserves all the credit in the world. And there must have been a moment of absolute elation when you caught that real estate agent actually in the flagrant act of putting the junk mail in your letterbox. That must have been a great moment, was it? Yeah, it, I, I, I shamefully admit to having finding that, you know, too good. <laughs> it was a good moment. And my family thinks I'm a bit sad and they're just bamboozled by the fact that you know, people were interested in this article at all. But, um, yeah, I do, I do get a perverse pleasure out of it. But, hey, that's me. And there are a lot of people out there like me. Um, I read the comments on the article and also I was linked to some Reddit thread as well. And um, people will go to antisocial lengths to stop those real estate flyers coming into their letterbox and they just love it. They do well, seem to really enjoy it. I want to ask you this, Rachel. Why do you have such a problem with it? You're an Aucklander. Aren't you fascinated yeah. with what's on the market? Aren't, don't you, shouldn't you be looking forward to those real estate um, uh, little leaflets? <laughs> oh, those, those updates, those market updates yeah. by, the, by the, uh, the, the analysis done by my local real estate agents who the one. clearly have a background in economics and, and high finance. Um, <laughs> No, not particularly interested. I mean, there's plenty of sort of reputable places I can go to if I want information about the the real estate market, and my letterbox isn't one of them. So if real estate agents are listening to this right now, because this has been a four-year war against these real estate, yeah, what, what would you like to say to them this afternoon on the panel? What I'd like to say is that there is a dearth of common sort of human decency out there in the world at the moment. So just be part of the solution and do the decent thing. If you see somebody has a sign on their letterbox that says they don't want any junk mail, don't put something in it. Just respect that person and respect that letterbox and just save me a a bit of emailing around as well. That would be much appreciated. It's lovely to have you on the program, Rachel, and let's hope uh, you don't have to come back on the panel in another four years' time and the battle is still waging. I'm still wagging my finger. I got a, a something on the day that that article was published. I got another one in the letterbox, which I need to oh. deal with this evening. Are you, really? <laughs> Do, are you, yeah. 
Wow. Okay, Rachel, kia ora for that. Um, so, Jenny, clearly someone who is just, um, uh, I'm not going to say obsessed about the issue, but uh, really, uh, you know, um, incorporate into the issue. Someone says, John says, oh my goodness, this lady is so right. These people are selfish narcissists and their glossy bleached rubbish is an ecological blight. It's a bit unfair, Chris, isn't it, to paint all uh, real estate agents like this. I know a couple of real estate They're lovely people. I mean, I mean it. Uh, yeah, and I think you're right. I think the other thing is, I have to say, we've got a no junk mail sign, but I do get a guilty pleasure when it comes through and it tells me that my neighbour's house has sold for some phenomenal sum. And I look at the neighbour's house and think, but my house is even nicer. I might bin the uh, the, the, the thing when it comes through the mailbox, but there is a strange sort of a sense of uh, curiosity in terms of what might my house be worth. So maybe in a strange kind of way, they're doing some public service, not, not distracting from what Rachel's saying, or maybe I'm just very weakened and feeble. Scott in Hamilton says, I've been a postie for 30 years and I hate delivering junk mail. There should be a law that says only mailboxes displaying a yes junk mail sign should have junk mail delivered to would save an awful uh, lot of trees. So, yeah, there isn't a law actually that prohibits uh, junk mail. Interestingly, it's quite um, fascinating. Um, And Tom says, as someone who is Irish, may I apologise to the world for our nation for inflicting (laughs) you two on the general population. Look, I'm not going to close my mind on this. I'm actually going to... Actually, I may well even buy a U2 album. I'll just have to find out where to start and actually start listening properly with both ears and try and see what both Chris Clark and Jenny Morton see in this band they call U2. Sorry, Wallace, 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 do you not have Spotify? You've got to go and buy the album. You just can go on Spotify (laughs) and listen to the album. Come on, don't go too far. And Wallace, I've got a suggestion for you. Tonight when you get home, put on Rattle and Hum, still haven't found what I'm looking for, and you'll have U2 doing its thing, but then this amazing gospel choir takes over. It is fabulous. Still haven't found what I'm looking for, Rattle and Hum with the gospel choir. Good music. My it's favourite favorite, favorite U2 song is one, but actually done by Johnny Cash, which is okay. outstanding. Monday oh, night, yes. U2. Mm, I'll try. Maybe I'll try Thursday night. Anyway, it's uh, six to five. The panel on RNZ National. Do you own a fancy pair of slippers? Well, according to an article on The Guardian, slippers are having a moment. It comes to mind the dude in the Big Lebowski getting his milk from the super in his slippers and gown, but it's more fashion than that, apparently. Jess Cartner-Morley argues that this most humble of footwear has finally left the fireside and entered the zeitgeist. With us to discuss is fashion stylist Monique Doy, sorry, Monique Doy, who's on the line. Monique, welcome to the panel. Hi, Wallace. How are you? We are well, and we want to know the lowdown. Apparently, slippers is big. They are really big right now. Do you own a fancy pair of slippers? Mm, no. Oh. <laughs> but to be fair, I own about 50 other pairs of fancy shoes, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> it all balances out. I think the thing about the slipper at the moment, Wallace, is that we've all been stuck inside for two years. Right. And we, we don't have a lot of opportunity to get out and wear our beautiful fancy shoes. And so... Mm. You can sort of wait for the special occasion, or you can be the special occasion, can't you? There seems to be a moment uh, in, in in a fashion life, eh, where for whatever reason, some things come to the fore. And uh, my wife, Tabitha, she said, actually, Wallace, this is a, quite a real story, because if you look on, you know, uh, on fashion sites, the slippers have really come to the fore. Um so uh, uh, what is it? Are people wearing them 
out or beyond their homes or what is it, Monique? I think it's more that um, we want to feel, you know, gorgeous all the time. As I say, we've, right. we've got nowhere to go. So you've got these slippers that are coming out with studs on the top, oh, you know, okay. sheepskin lining, but really sparkly. Um, lots of them have rubber bottoms now, whereas lots of times they've had leather bottoms, so you actually can wear them out to the mailbox or whatever. Um, but I think we've been spending a lot more time in our pyjamas. I personally am not a fan of wearing your Ugg boots to the supermarket, but, um, but each to their own. Well, what about you, Jenny? You're a Craig's Investment Partners, your financial advisor, but you need to duck out for a bowl latte. Do you wear your slippers? No, look, okay, two things. Do you wear I your slippers? slippers? I have slippers. I am wearing them as we speak. They are a brand called Glare Ups. And they're felted wool with calfskin bottoms, and they come from Denmark but are made with New Zealand wool. They're fantastic. Love them to bits. You can wear them out to the letterbox, all that sort of thing, put the washing (laughs) on the line. In my Pilates class, a lot of the young women who come along, the the late 20s, they've got the fluffy slides, like the, the, Mm. I don't know, Gucci or, you know, fancy ones that are fluffy slides, which I would call slippers, but they wear in the world. But I ain't going to work in my slippers. I will wear them at working at home as of today, but like today, but I will not wear them in the office. You paint the picture, Pitty, don't pushy. you? You've got your you've got your high end slippers on. You've got your dog in your lap. Name remind me. Coco, Coco, Coco the Cavoodle. Coco on your lap. You're on the panel, Chris. You're in Golden Bay. It's slippers all day. Chris. Nope. Not, 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 uh, can't hear us there. All right, Monique. You can't thank- wear slippers on the beach. No, on the beach. Well, no. <laughs> no slippers on the Monique, beach. Thank you for the heads up. Final question to you, though, regarding Hello. slippers in the supermarket. Is that a yes? Is it no? Can we do the big Lebowski? Can we do the dude? Or is that a just, that's just not fashion? That is a hard pass from me, Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with Monique. All right. <laughs> I agree. All right. Thank you very much to you all. There Chris you Clark, Ginny Morton, Monique Cura. I'm Wallace Chapman. I am back 3.45 tomorrow, Tuesday. See you then. Lisa Owen and Checkpoint right now.